Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. I'd love to welcome up now Laura and Sam. Come on up, guys. Laura and Sam are married as of how long ago? Two years. Two years, so pretty fresh. Um, have this mic, guys. And as part of this morning, having Laura here to preach, I just thought it was a good opportunity not to just hear a couple of snippets of what God's been doing in another Church of Christ in Melbourne, out at Coronia, actually close to where I did some of my growing up years in Fantry Gully. Um, but we just want to hear a little bit from you. Um, I just felt it would be so encouraging for our church just to hear a little bit of the story of what God's writing in Boronia. Um, so tell us certainly just a bit about you guys and your role in the church and um, just a bit of intro would be awesome. Yeah, cool. Hi, Ron. It's so good to be here today. Thank you for having us. Um, so I'm 26 years old and um, on team at Boronia have been the last five years um, as one of the associate ministers there. Uh, so I get to spend um, my days there during the week, and um, I'm also studying a leadership course um, with Arrow Leadership, which is really incredible, um, as I've been um, given some extra opportunities at church, of just being able to learn all the things that I don't know I'm not about yet, so um, that's been really good. Great. Yeah. Um, every for two years, we're living in Bayswater North, we've just moved house, uh, which is very exciting for us. Uh, I'm one day a week at church doing graphic design, a bit of media, and then I'm in IT at a theological college in Ringwood. And we both do Friday night youth. Um, I guess we'll get a bit into that. So um, Friday night we have a team of about eight um, young adults who help out. We have about 25 young people. Um, and we sometimes go out and help others. We had a thing called Pay It Forward last year where we go out and help the community and help some people from the church went and gave out um, fundraise for Daffodil Day and just helped young, some young people to get out of their comfort zone and to share with others the joy they've been getting at youth um, yeah, on Friday nights. Awesome. One of the things we talk about here, I'm sure you guys talk about it too, is that on Sunday we gather to then scatter from Sunday to Sunday into our workplaces and homes and friendships and all the places we go during the week. Um, one of the things that I hear when I listen to the story of Veronia is that there's a real focus on, yes, the gathering, but also, yes, then the going out. Um, what are the, some of the Sunday-to-Sunday things that happen around Veronia where you guys are going, you know what, we want to connect with our neighbourhood. We want to do stuff like parenting course where, you know, you're blessing your neighbourhood, you're connecting with people who don't know Jesus. Well, tell us some of those things. Yeah. So we meet, um, we have three congregations actually, so we meet um, two congregations on a Sunday morning and one on a Wednesday night. Um, So our two Sunday ones, one's a more uh, tradition honouring service and another one is uh, family, so we have kids help out with communion like you do. Um, And then we meet Wednesdays as well uh, for a more casual but still intentional, uh, more discussion-based service. So we meet then, and then during the week, what happens around um, the church building, but also what we do out of the church building is um, on Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings, we have uh, breakfast clubs. So I'm going to speak a bit more about that um, in the message. Um, We have that at uh, two local schools in Boronia, two schools that are quite different from each other. 
One is a K to 12, just expanding, um, and another one is a school that's actually um, becoming smaller and smaller and has um, a lot of kids who live in housing conditions and have some challenging um, situations. And so that school doesn't have much funding. And so um, Aaron, who actually heads up that one. Um, and then during the week, we have what's called a Hub Play Cafe. So on Wednesday, Thursdays and Friday mornings, um, we have a cafe space at church that was formerly a kindergarten. And our team leader now, Becky Scott, was saying, what can we do with this room that is still um, for kids, for the community, for parents of the community, just like kinders are? And so a group of people converted the bright blue walls into <laughs> some more softer tones for a cafe. And so the cafe is aimed for um, all ages, especially for parents who have young kids who want to go to a cafe and just find, oh, where can my kid go? How can they play? But how can I still also connect? And so we have an indoor and an outdoor play area um, so the kids can play um, freely. They have a story time where stories are read to the kids um, and parents can have a coffee and mothers groups can meet and um, have a moment maybe in the week that they can feel comfortable their kids are able to play and run and be kids but also still um, meet over food. And so we find a number of uh, mothers groups come, um, people from the church community um, who are maybe on their own or wanting to connect with other people but also just word of mouth seems to be working uh, for the cafe and people just see it and come and hear about it. Um, so that's really incredible. Like sometimes it feels like it's a glimpse of heaven there when you see mums and dads like changing their kids' nappies, you know, on the floor or something. Not quite like that, but almost. <laughs> that sort of like fun chaos um, that, yeah, hopes to value kids and families. Um, so that's some of what happens. And Sam will tell you a bit more as well. Mm. So we have some community meals that some of the chapel um, people who need a bit of help and it's from the community, they make some meals and hand it out and might go visit um, our community worker who um, will go out and, and chat to them and bring a meal with them um, and help those people. We also run for the young people again. Um, it's, it's not weekly but every maybe every three months we have a gaming event where we bring um, most people from the community who are at home just gaming on the computers by themselves where you invite them to come and game together. Um, we probably used to have Three quarters are from the community and, and the rest are from, from church, from youth and invite their friends. We just game for a day and hang out. And we've also got a couple of other groups that meet like a caravan club um, and they go away every few months to a holiday park together. And um, Some people find that a bit of an easier entry way into community. Um, as we know, a number of people sort of go to church is a bit full on. And so um, some even partners of um, people from church who don't come to church on a Sunday, um, come to the caravan club. And so we find it's really key value for people to feel like they belong, <laughs> which you have, um, and to come as they are as well. Um, so there's other groups that do social things like that as well. So we do try and go to schools and um, to uh, visit people and go to um, holiday parks and stuff like that. And we also have a space um, at church that we try to have that's inviting um, people to come as they are and different ways to sort of connect with community. That's great. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, I'm going to pray for us now as we hear the, the word of God, the Bible reading, and Laura's going to come and speak, which is going to be awesome. So let's pause and pray. God, we thank you that we are invited to be part of your story, your mission. Thank you that because of Jesus, we get to have access to your Holy Spirit. We get to have access to, to being partners with you, God, in bringing your love and justice and peace and um 
and flourishing to our neighbourhoods. And thanks for the, the stories we're hearing from Boronia. Thanks for what you're doing in that church community and wider community. And um, as we hear your word now from Mark's Gospel, would you open our ears to hear what you want to speak to us as individuals, as, as disciples of you, Jesus, and also as your church, your gathered community here at Williamstown. Um, would you speak something this morning that's specific, help us to, to focus and listen and hear what you want to speak and impart through Laura this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Sam and Laura, and um, invite Patty up to bring our reading this morning from Mark 6. Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from Mark 6, verses 30 to 44. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns, got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. So six years ago, a group of us were going to a primary school in the local area and running a lunchtime games program. We used to have about 50 to 60 kids in this hall and it was chaos. And we used to try and think of how can we connect with them at the start before we do games like Tiggy and everything. So we used to play this game called Sit Down If. And we'd ask all the kids to stand and we'd say, Statements like, sit down if you have ever been in an aeroplane. Sit down if you have ever um, eaten chocolate for breakfast. We'd ask stuff like that. Sometimes we'd ask other ones like, sit down if you haven't brushed your teeth this morning. Not to try and shame them, but just for a bit of fun. <laughs> and we'd often ask, sit down if you haven't eaten breakfast today. 
And we found that out of the 50 kids, probably half would often sit down. And we noticed this as a recurring theme as we played this game. And so myself and the team said to each other, what can we do about this? I wonder if we can maybe partner with the school to do a breakfast club program. And so we were talking about this idea when just that next week we had a request come to our church from the same school, from the chaplain, who said, we're hoping to run a breakfast club. Is there any way your church can support us? Yes. <laughs> Thought, wow, okay. So we contacted the chaplain and we said, you know, we've been noticing um, that kids haven't been eating breakfast. We'd love to be able to partner with you in some way. And so we talked about it as a leadership team at church and our previous team leader at the time said, oh, do you know what we can do? We can put out a container every Sunday and if people have spare coins, they can give towards the program. We thought, great. The school also had asked the Lion Club for a grant to be able to buy supplies, so they were doing that already. And so then I asked around at church, I said, would anyone be interested in helping in this breakfast club program? And so um, one of the other elders said, yep, I'd love to be part of it. And so we applied for a grant to RACV um, for some money and received um, 2000 from them to be able to help fund food as well and more equipment. And we also talked to the local bakery and said, do you have any leftovers on a Monday that we could use? And so what started as maybe a possibility, an idea, was then two of us going to the school and each week we started making breakfast. Now, the teacher who instigated this at the school had noticed that some of his kids were showing challenging behaviours, weren't focusing in on the schoolwork. And so he started to give them crackers and noticed that by eating, they actually started to concentrate a bit more. And so it was with him and um, this other woman and myself, we started going to the school. And so um, as we kept uh, visiting the school, over time, we were meeting in a classroom. We noticed that more and more kids started coming. We started with about 20, 25 and started getting 35, 40 kids. We thought, oh, perhaps, you know, these kids are hungry or maybe they've just heard that there's cheese toasties and that's awesome. <laughs> um, maybe they're looking for um, some connection at the start of the day. And so we thought, this classroom is getting too big. And we're also boiling the kettle for dishes at the classroom sink, which for kids is like down here. So <laughs> the school said, hey, why don't you move to our cafe space here and start running it there. And so this was six years ago. So as a few years were going by, more and more kids started coming and our team grew as well. Our team um, up on the screen, um, who are made of awesome volunteers. Do I need to face this somewhere? Oh, there we go. Um, so this is the team. So as we started continually coming, we started getting 80 to 100 children every Tuesday morning um, between 8.30 and 9 o'clock morning breakfast. And so um, we make cheese toasties. We've got the toasties lined up um, on the side there and we make about 12 loaves worth. And every week, 80 to 100 kids come. And not only just them, but sometimes they bring their parents, their grandparents, um, whoever drops them off, who are also sometimes hungry too. So we started off with an idea and we noticed there was a crowd. There were kids who were hungry. There was a few willing people and a dream for a better neighbourhood. And so every week, um, these helpers of mine who are in their 60s, 70s and 80s are there earlier than I am. <laughs> Somehow they're better morning people. And they're there committed to the kids every week. What went from an idea went to um, a real God dream for this neighbourhood. And what happens now is the kids start the day off 
well fed, sometimes with eight toasties, <laughs> um, and uh, tuning in more to the schoolwork. This story that I've just shared is similar to another one, where God took what was there, what was an idea, what was had, and made a feast for a better neighbourhood. In our passage, Jesus asked the question to the disciples that we also asked the school. He asked the disciples, how many loaves do you have for these people here? Which we were asking as well. What loaves do we have? (laughs) What do we have to bring to the school? Jesus asked the disciples, what do you have to feed these people? In our lives, we might often find ourselves asking or thinking about the opposite idea. Sometimes we find ourselves focusing on what we don't have. There may be some of you sitting here today that have or are finding yourself with some of these thoughts of what we don't have. It could be, I don't have the greatest intelligence. I don't have a romantic relationship. I don't have the best house. I don't have the best job. I don't have that right car. I don't have the most successful business. I don't have a good job. And you might find that this is limiting your ability to live out the Christian life in the fullest way. We know deep down that we don't want to live in a way that is dictated by what we have, what Facebook shows us that others have and we don't, what ads all around us on TV, on billboards all the time are saying what we don't have and what we should have to have a fulfilling life. However, I think God wants more for us than that. So today I'm not going to ask you what you don't have, but rather ask the question of what do you have What do you have right now? What strengths do you have? What strengths and skills do you have? What God dream do you have for your family, for your workplace, for this neighbourhood, for Hobson's Bay? Jesus asked the disciples that question, how many loaves do you have? Essentially, what do you have? And let's work with that. So we're going to look at this question from the passage through three different perspectives today to help us understand our story a little bit more. We're going to start with looking at it through the disciples' point of view. Now let's imagine ourselves as the disciples who were ordinary people, ordinary workers, who Jesus had asked him, asked them to come and partner with God in mission, to drive out demons, to do healings, to do wonders and miracles. And so here we are as disciples, we've been out doing these extraordinary things and we come back to meet with Jesus, to spend some time with him, to share stories, to be near the one that we are following. So we are so ready to spend time with Jesus. And so when he says to us, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest, we're possibly quite relieved. This is Jesus who says, come all of you who are weary and invites us to come and get rest It sounds so appealing, I can imagine, as the disciples. And then suddenly, we see this multitude of a crowd coming to try and get to Jesus. Now, it says 5,000 men, but we know it's probably about 10,000 or more with women and children who are present as well. And so there's more than 10,000 people who beat us to this place that Jesus just said, come rest your souls, your weary bodies. And the crowd have beat us to get there. Now, we don't read that the disciples were frustrated or inconvenienced, but if we imagine ourselves as them, we might imagine they could be. We want to spend time with Jesus, you're exhausted, and suddenly there's like 10,000 or more people trying to get his attention. 
However, as always, Jesus, whose love is beyond our understanding and patience, has compassion for the crowd. The people who are described by Mark, by Jesus, as people who are sheep without a shepherd. Possibly people who are aimless, directionless, looking for that fuller life that they wanted. I wonder, are there times where you have felt lost? Are there times where you maybe felt lost in a crowd? It can be really chaotic. Have there been times where you felt a bit aimless or a bit unsure of what direction to take or what decision to make? Perhaps you felt relationally lost, wondering what is missing in your life. The words, they are like sheep without a shepherd, is a powerful image for us because it gives us an insight into Jesus' heart for these people and for the world. These people who also were feeling a bit lost perhaps, a bit aimless, looking for direction. More than 10,000 people wanting to be near Jesus who are being possibly swayed here and there by different uh, messages they're receiving from culture about what they should have and how they should be and how they should live their life. We get this sense that they are looking for more in this Jesus. There was something about Jesus that attracted them to want to run on foot to be with him. He's described as a shepherd, a shepherd who invites them to come and rest, a shepherd who can provide direction and purpose and hope for their lives. Jesus says, come and eat with me, essentially, by feeding more than 10,000 people the bread and fish, which is a contrast to Mark chapter 5, where you would have heard about Herod's banquet. Herod had only invited the important people to be there. And that banquet was all about Herod. In contrast, this banquet of Jesus was for all, especially those who were hungry and in need. All were welcome. So what do the disciples have here? An inconvenience, perhaps a hungry or hangry situation, for those of you who know what it's like, get a bit crabby if we're hungry. (laughs) People who are hungry. And so the disciples, of course, have a rational and logical solution. They say to Jesus that the people should go to surrounding suburbs and get themselves something to eat. Jesus, however, in his ever-surprising way, says, you give them something to eat. Of course, you'd go, what? That would cost a year's wages. How many loaves do we have? We don't have enough here. The disciples were quite focused on what they didn't have for this situation. Understandably, I'm sure we would think that as well. The disciples perhaps here see and maybe a bit of a nuisance at the persistence of the crowd and the time that they are taking that they were going to spend with Jesus. But we see Jesus has a heart for these people and desires for them to come and feast. The disciples were concerned with what they didn't have in their hands. And I think that we sometimes find ourselves doing that. We think we are not enough that we're not doing enough, we don't pray enough, we don't have enough, we don't have that car, house, relationship, brains. You know what that is for you. Or maybe we look at what we do have and we think, I don't have the house that I would like, I don't have the car that I would like. But Jesus isn't concerned with what we don't have. He's concerned with what we do have. What unique skills, gifts, talents, personality, heart you have for this world. The interesting thing about this passage is that this story, Jesus feeding the 5,000, 
is the only miracle that is mentioned across all four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And in three out of the four books, they talk about where the five loaves and two fish came from, except that in our passage, it doesn't say specifically who brings it. But in the book of John, we know that Andrew brings food that a boy in the crowd had, five loaves and two fishes, that this boy, this nobody, had. And so I want to acknowledge the kid for a moment, because I think sometimes it can be overlooked. The significant part about the kid bringing the miracle ingredients is that he wasn't even counted amongst the 5,000. He was the extra that we don't actually have recorded. He could almost be bypassed in this story as the provider of the ingredients for the miracle. We just imagine his mum preparing his food, or his dad, his food for that day. They wouldn't have been expecting that this food would be used in a miracle to feed thousands of people. However, this kid gave what he had in his hands to bring about a miracle. He brought what he had in his hands to his neighbourhood. We know that Jesus values the part that nobodies play in the kingdom of God. So, what do you have? What can you contribute in this neighbourhood with the skills, gifts, personality you have? to bring about some peace, joy and hope in Hobson's Bay. For Breakfast Club, we looked at what we had in our hands. We had some coins, we had time, a few willing volunteers and we had bread. We came with a bit of love and open hands to partner with God in his mission in Baronia. I wonder, for your church, what can Williamstown Church of Christ be known for in this neighbourhood? What can you bring as a church to this neighbourhood that is unique, that no other church or group can bring? What do you have in you and amongst you to bring here? As I look at you all, I'm excited to think of who you are and what your lives are like. I don't know you and you don't know me very well, but I imagine each of you, you have these unique gifts and contribution to bring that God is really excited and passionate about because he made you with those that is unique and different to anyone else. And so I wonder, what can Williamstown Church of Christ be best known for in this neighbourhood? As we think about this question of what we have in our hands for this neighbourhood, perhaps we can consider what does God have? What does God have? He has all that we need. He is all that we need. Jesus asked the disciples to pick up the remainder of the fish and bread. And he asked the 12 disciples to collect 12 baskets full. And I don't imagine this was to be showy. Okay, look what I did. Awesome miracle. I imagine this was to help the disciples see that Jesus provides all that they need. He is all that they need. And so as we think about ourselves and we sometimes maybe focus on our weaknesses or our deficits of what we don't have, Jesus is so much more concerned about what we do have and meets us in the gap. As we partner with God, he gives us what we need to achieve his will, his purpose on earth. So they had heaps of food left over 
I imagine that people were filled physically, but also perhaps filled relationally after being with the people of God, the disciples. God has all the resources in the world. I get so excited about this idea. My brother talks to me about it all the time. The idea that each church, so this church, has all, God has all the skills, talents, passion, heart, finances, right here in you and this place to do his work, his mission here in Williamstown. So we have then an opportunity to ask, God, what is your heart for this neighbourhood? What is your heart for my boss, who is frustrating? What is your promise of peace that can encourage a supermarket worker? What is your hope for your church in Williamstown? How can this church be best at loving the crowd, loving the neighbourhood with what we have in our hands right now? God has given you all that you need to do his work here in Williamstown. He says to us to come and to ask. God is all we need to live this life. We don't need that car, that house, the ideal Facebook relationship because we have God, our strength in our weakness, our hope in our despair, our joy in our sorrow, and that is expressed through all of you here. There is so much potential to bring God's love and generosity to this town. And so he says, bring with me what you have and let's partner together to bring my kingdom here on earth. And as we do this, we find in ourselves we are less focused on what we don't have and more focused on what we do have and whose we are, our identity in Christ. Jesus does offer a bit of a warning though, as he sometimes does. The parable of the talents later on shows us how God might feel when we don't use what he's given us. When we bury our gifts, when we let our gift of service, our gift of craftsmanship, our gift of mentoring, when we put it on the bookshelf and leave it there to gather dust. In Matthew 25, he says, he tells us this story and this idea of how important it is for us to use what he has, what he has given us to contribute to the world. Because when we do, Jesus calls us and says, Hello, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few things. Come and share with the master's happiness. God desires to partner with us what we have, who we are, to be the church, the hope and compassion in the world. And we don't do it alone or just to please God. We do it with the Holy Spirit who spurs us on and gives us opportunities to live a life of fulfilment. That as we give, we also receive I know you've been looking at the crown and the cross in your series. And as we think of Jesus for who we can set our eyes on, this story reminds us that Jesus is Lord and King, but that he also lived as human amongst us to identify with us and call us to serve with him, to love his people. I'm going to give you a few questions to consider Um, as you go from here today. But before I do, on your way out, you're welcome to come past this table and to take a piece of bread with you as a tangible reminder that as you eat and as you go, that we are God's people for this neighbourhood, taking what we have and he'll increase it for his glory. Now, I didn't bring actual fish because I thought that wouldn't smell very nice. 
So you don't have to take the tuna, but if you really love tuna, you're welcome to take that as well. But as you do take a bread roll or tuna, have a think on these few questions, and then I'll leave that for you as a church to continue the conversation after. What do you have? What skills, personality, gift, calling, abilities has God given you? And what will you do with it in this town? And how can Williamstown Church of Christ be best known for loving people and glorifying God? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so excited that you call us and choose us to partner with you in your kingdom, to partner with you in bringing hope and compassion to this world. We thank you for this church at Williamstown, for every single person in this room and those who weren't able to be with us today. All of these people you know so well, God, and you had such joy when you crafted them and formed them, and you have such purpose and plan for their lives. We thank you that you um, are the God of this church, the God of resources and the God of opportunities, that there are opportunities for this church to love and serve you in amazing ways. And we don't do it because you're a dictator. We do it because you are a God that loves us, that you are with us, and as we give, we receive so much in abundance. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to bless this church, bless these people, and stir in each of us a God dream for the neighbourhoods that we live in, of what your heart is for these people in this town. We thank you for the absolute privilege and honour it is to be part of your kingdom. And we thank you that you help us do that. We thank you, Jesus, in your glorious and precious name. Amen.